Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 138th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? Doing very well, Cameron. How are you? funny over there? No, it's just, I was anticipating you asking me, Oh, uh, why are you great today or something like that? Because of the no, events I of last. put you on the spot like that. Oh, wow, thank you so much. That's really considerate. Have you been up to anything exciting? No. Oh, okay. What about you? Um, no, not really. I got uh, MLB The Show. Oh, me too. Yeah, for on the Xbox Game Pass. I downloaded some it. baseball. Really good sports I'm game. Not very good at that game. It is not yet. There's, there's a lot of tutorials. A learning, learning curve. Yeah. Yeah. You can drop the difficulty way down if you want. Just uh, mine was dropping the difficulty like automatically. I would oh, see yeah. in the corner. I was doing so bad in the corner. It says like difficulty decreased and yeah. i didn't even touch you can any put of the settings it, yeah there's like a dynamic difficulty where yeah. if you're struggling it'll just ease it up for you i was struggling <laughs> sometimes you just want to lower the difficulty and just just hit a bunch of home runs hit dingers yeah exactly um i i'm did you make a two-way player so he's like pitching and no I, I just did a franchise at least that's what i started oh, off I with that's the st louis cardinals oh they're pretty good they are pretty good second most world series championships i think because I was, I did franchise mode, and I was just like looking through all of them, and it says how many World Series titles. The Yankees have like twenty-seven. That's a lot. Ridiculous. Yeah, I feel like the Cardinals are second with like nine or something. Yankees are pay to win. Yeah. Well, no uh, salary cap. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? Uh, well, Kyle. Um, last week we recapped the twenty twenty-one Mizzou basketball season. So if you missed that. Uh, be sure to go check that out. Uh, we're finally ready to move on to football, more or less, um, getting ready for the upcoming season. Um, we've got some news to talk about this week. Um, real quick, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Leave us a review on whatever uh, podcast service you use to listen to us. We appreciate all of that. Uh, leave us a comment if you want to be a part of the conversation. And if you want to support us, uh, we would appreciate that. It is over at patreon.com slash Missouri Sports Pod. And there are some perks and rewards if you decide to do that. Um, Kyle, before we get into football, a few other bits of news. Mizzou is back in the Big 12. Did you know that? <laughs> uh, yeah, I saw that. Can you believe it, Producer Cameron? No. Wrestling only, though. Um, they just came up from the MAC conference after winning like nine straight conference titles, literally, I yeah. think. And then, yeah, they're back in the Big 12. I always thought it was interesting that wrestling was just like in its own, just doing its own thing. Whatever, wild, wild West. Yeah, whatever conference it needs to be in. What it, yeah, to, Is to that win. the only one for Mizzou that's in a different conference? I think so. No idea. I think so. Because uh, Missouri State's in a couple different ones for random sports too mm-hmm. um i think we've had this discussion before maybe but there there is a little bit of a, a movement you could say on twitter a, a bit of a pining almost for missouri to return to the big 12 do you share that sentiment i don't <laughs> that yeah that sentiment has been there since like before it was even officially announced that missouri was leaving right which um, i can understand it then but it's been nearly 10 years now yeah and there's still think. people saying they're just really wanting Missouri to go back. And I guess I can understand it. I mean, Missouri is a little bit of a weird fit in the SEC from time to time. I, I mean, they're, they're definitely the most northernmost 
school and I would say culture wise may not be the greatest fit, but I don't know. I don't know. Are the people that the people that want Missouri to go back to the big 12, are they just people that never, that were never okay with the change in the first place? Or do you think there's people that were on board for the move to the sec that now wish they were back in the big 12? That's an excellent question that I could not answer for you, but, uh, yeah, they may just be kind of like closed minded about it. Maybe they never were accepting to it. I got to say in football, I'm really glad we're in the sec. Um, in basketball, I think it is a little bit of a more of a weirder fit. For some reason, I would think I would almost rather be in the Big 12 in basketball. Do you think that has something to do with the level of success that Missouri had in football nearly immediately upon joining the SEC, and that hasn't been there quite yet, or it took longer in basketball? Yeah, it's possible. I mean, I just... I think it's fun being in the SEC for football because it's just uh, the premier it's conference. Just the premier yeah. conference, yeah, and it's nationally recognized as that for the most part, especially on ESPN. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I it's really not. I don't really feel strongly either way, but some people feel very strongly. Yeah, and I'm not sure we really get that much more money per year in the SEC. Like looking at it from a fan's perspective, I don't really. From a fan's perspective, being able to watch every single game in football and basketball yes. through SEC Network That's is huge. That's pretty much the biggest thing right there. Yeah. I don't really care if Missouri makes $46 million versus $42 million a year from being in the SEC versus the Big 12. That doesn't Especially when we've got all these donors stepping up lately. Yeah. Um, I, I'll, I can still remember, though. I mean, lots of people older than us remember it even better, like, college basketball games just not really you just couldn't find those like early season non-conference games on tv i oh, mean yeah. if i was lucky they would be on fox sports midwest or something but i remember trying to find some random stream to watch missouri play against like savannah state in basketball yep all right uh some news here tamar bates committed to indiana so not coming to missouri I never, I never got the feeling he was coming to Missouri, but I got to say Indiana is really random also. Yeah. Indiana's way more random than Mizzou would have been, in my opinion. I agree. And I I thought it was a pretty decent chance that he would follow Shaka Smart to That's Marquette. Right. That's where I thought he was going to go, yeah. But I thought there was room for one or two other teams to be in the mix. Um, Indiana surprised me because they just hired uh, Mike Woodson, but I guess I mean he's hitting the ground running pretty much or his assistants are, I can't imagine he's like all in on recruiting that fast from just like not being a part of college basketball. Yeah. I mean, he's a, has he ever been a college basketball coach? Nope. Maybe he's just like really loving it. Maybe he's just really like perhaps beginner's luck or something. Maybe. <laughs> uh, then Christian Bishop committed to Texas. So yeah, I never think we, I don't think we ever had a shot in that one. Yeah. Released a final three of, Kansas, Texas, North Carolina. I think so, yeah. Yeah, we weren't touching that. <laughs> you mean we don't get players over North Carolina? Or Texas, uh, apparently. Apparently not. Uh, then football news. I just saw this on Twitter. Let me let me get the guy who tweeted it. Oh, I may not be able to find it quickly. Uh, well, Former St. Louis Rams head coach Scott Linehan moved his family to Columbia, Missouri, and is now a consultant for the football team and Eli Drinkwitz. 
And I believe we previously already knew that Scott Linehan's son is on the staff as like uh, an analyst of some mm. sort. But that makes two former NFL head coaches uh, involved with Missouri's team this coming season. You know, I had a really, uh, really cold take whenever we were talking about uh, Eli Drinkwitz and what he might be looking for in a defensive coordinator. And I remember, you know, when we obviously we didn't know who it was going to be yet. We were still in the, in the search phase. Um, I remember thinking, I think Coach Drinkwitz is going to look for an up-and-comer because I perceive him as a guy that is confident in what he's doing and doesn't want a former head coach coming in and trying to tell him how to run things. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that that is what's happening, but right. that was like the coldest of takes mm-hmm. because he, since then, has only seemed to want to soak up knowledge from former head coaches who have been coaches in the NFL or, or whatever it be. So, uh, the, yeah, that's that's been an interesting development. That was good old Randy. Um Carriker, I think yeah. is the last name, uh, with ESPN Radio, who tweeted that out. Thanks, Randy. Uh, so interesting development there. A couple of transfers out of the football program. We have Markel Utzi and Jamal Brooks on the defensive side of the ball. They are transferring out of the program. Um, Utzi, I think, was one that came back for another season. Yeah, um, both. Due to COVID, both of them did. Both okay. were uh, seniors last year who came back for another year. Um, man, I can't really remember a player that's ever been more well-liked and has, like, not played than Jamal Brooks. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, just... From, like, day one. Like, before yeah. he even stepped foot on campus, yeah. he was very, like, vocally um, excited to be yeah. in Columbia. It really helped recruit guys to Mizzou that that year. Uh, just incredibly charismatic, likable guy. Just never quite really saw the field. It's going to be super easy to root for him wherever he goes for sure and I don't know exactly what the story was there um may have thought that he was going to have a starting job this year and maybe kind of felt like that wasn't going to happen in spring ball felt like he needed to to take his shot um at maybe a lower level or something I I can't remember if he's ended up anywhere yet but I hope that he gets to start and get a lot of playing time wherever he goes absolutely and Markel Utzi that one was a little more surprising to me just because he was a guy who was getting a lot of playing time, and I don't know if he would have started or anything, but definitely. I mean, you rot- you rotate interior linemen in and out all the time on the def- on the defensive side. He's he was going to get playing time, um, so I was I was a little bit surprised by that one. Um, yeah, another guy that uh, from a little bit earlier that we didn't talk about uh, was Sakori Brooks. Oh yeah, and Jack Buford, but I think we've maybe talked about him. Yeah. I think so. And then there was a couple walk-ons that transferred out as well. Well, then, uh, we promised everybody, you know, the last few weeks that we would cover the spring game. Um, That was the same day that Missouri lost to Oklahoma in the NCAA tournament, I believe. So we were still in the thick of basketball, and then all the transfer stuff happened, and Missouri's resetting their entire basketball roster, so... We've been caught up in that for the last few weeks, but now we're finally returning to football, and it's going to be a, a football-centric show for the next few months now um, as we gear up towards another season. Yeah, um, I had the spring game, I guess. I don't even, you can't even really call it a spring game. 
a spring public practice, practice yeah. very early, very early uh, this year. I feel like normally it's in like mid-April. Yeah, they talked about that a little bit on the broadcast that Drinkwitz wanted to get all four spring practices in early. And he actually mentioned like COVID variants as a reason why they just wanted to get get things done and then take a little bit of a break and then come back. Um, I actually just watched a, you can find it on YouTube, uh, just about in its entirety. And so I kind of refreshed myself on it today. And, uh, the first thing I noticed was, man, I, it's, it's fun to see, uh, Mizzou players playing football again. It feels like we had basketball season for so long and really football didn't end that long ago, but, um, the way this basketball season had so many ups and downs and obviously when it goes into March, that's a good thing. So. Uh, just being so caught up in basketball for so long, seeing um, Connor Bazelak take the field for the Missouri Tigers, even though it was a practice, it just kind of got me excited for what's to come. And I remembered kind of like where I left off, like mentally thinking about the football team was just more excitement than what's been around the basketball program Mm -hmm. as of late, Um, just with the recruiting wins and um, success on the field last year just felt like the momentum's there so returning to some of these players in the form of this um, spring game video was exciting man those uniforms are clean they are like, really it, it seems like they're just going full steam ahead with the block m back on the helmet yeah which, and that you will not hear a complaint from me about that me I, either. I love the idea of block m is standard then occasionally we might work in some of these alternate tiger head logos and stuff like that on the helmet yeah i mean that every, seems everybody like, on twitter goes crazy oh, for yeah. the block for the block m and i don't think anybody's gonna be like oh we're, we're okay i think that's enough of the block m now yeah i don't think you're gonna hear that <laughs> yeah i don't either but yeah i gotta agree with you it feels it feels really good um knowing that we have the building blocks for a potential successful season coming up and got the right guy at the helm and uh, as coaching and quarterback i think and uh, got some new exciting pieces to add to the offense, and uh, I, yeah, it's, I'm I'm really excited, and uh, I, I'm I haven't quite got there yet, but I know that it's going to be July or something, and I'm just going to be like not I just won't be able to stop thinking about football. That's yeah. where I usually get in July or August. I'm just pining for that that kickoff. Right, that's about the time you have to like boot up NCAA football on the Xbox 360. <laughs> yeah, play a couple seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, the, you kind of alluded to it, but the spring game, yeah, it was more of a practice. Uh, and in the past we've seen a more organized full scrimmage. Um, but in this, they were just kind of rotating different groups on and off the field. The first like third of the video is literally just practice. Yeah. And then they do some, uh, red zone offense defense drills where they just run a few plays trying to get into the end zone uh, from like the 25 yard line or 20 yard line um that was a little disappointing honestly like none of the offensive groups were able to break through thankfully i think the field goal kickers were like combined four for four on field goals but it uh it didn't look great for the offense i would say overall for the entirety of the scrimmage um, even when they opened up, the, when they opened up the field a little bit more and started at the opponents, like 35 yard line, mm-hmm. then there was more room to operate and the offense started making some plays. But when they were down there at the, in the red zone, there wasn't a whole lot going on. Yeah. I honestly was a little underwhelmed with the whole experience as well. Just, I mean, and they were really making it out to be, 
uh, kind of an exciting spectator event. Like they invited a bunch of people to come and, and fans. And I mean, if you love Mizzou football, then you know just the the atmosphere can be enjoyable. Just going back into the football stadium and, and seeing the guys out there in the uniform. And I mean, that's something special in itself. But I mean, I would have much preferred probably seeing an actual like four quarter game like we've seen in the past with mm-hmm. actual scoring and stuff like that. But this is coming from someone who went and just saw an open uh, basketball practice as well. Yeah. I mean, instead I mean, that's, of, yeah, we do that kind of stuff, but <laughs> I, I probably would have preferred an actual game just because I think it's easier to evaluate people, but yeah, I would have preferred an actual Mizzou madness, uh, two seasons ago as well when yeah. we just went and watched that basketball practice, but yeah. it's kind of cool. Um, you're absolutely right though, that, uh, Missouri struggled in the red zone in the actual season last year. And, uh, so I was obviously, that's something that Missouri can make the biggest improvement on in this upcoming season is just scoring touchdowns in the red zone. I felt like we were settling for field goals, which obviously we've got a great kicker, but we got to figure out how to how to turn those three points into seven points and when we're in the red zone especially. And that issue did not seem to have improved, at least not yet, in, no. the, in the spring practice. Yeah. Yeah, there's not a whole lot to take from something like this, but that was one thing where I was just like, oh, geez. That is, I mean, that's another thing is pretty much everything we say about our evaluations from this event, you can pretty much throw them out the window because it's a spring practice. But, I mean, I still wish that we would have seen a little bit more uh, consistency from the offense. There really didn't seem to be a whole lot of great offensive plays, at least from the guys that you would would recognize from that first team. I felt like there were some, some good highlights from guys on the second and third team, but... Uh, didn't seem like a great day from Bazelak. Uh, I know like Toski Dove had a nice catch and Kiki Chisholm had some nice plays and stuff, but uh, it wasn't a super impressive outing from the offense in general, I didn't think. Right, and because it's a scrimmage and because you can't tackle the quarterback or even touch the quarterback, and you know for the first half of it, they weren't even tackling ball carriers, um, it's hard to get a grasp of what the defense is doing exactly, but it seemed like the defensive line was getting pressure on all three Mizzou quarterbacks pretty much all day long. For sure. And, yeah, we, you know, we talk about how the offense didn't have a great day, but really I think it's because the defense was playing well. The defensive line looked revamped. They looked like they had a ton of energy. They looked very healthy. Uh, also, the defense, like, knows the plays. Yeah. So that's another thing that you just can't take it too seriously is, uh, yeah, the defense knows probably what it, where the ball's going or exactly what they're trying to accomplish in every play they're running. But uh, there's definitely uh, one addition to the defensive line, I think, this year that's going to make an immediate impact, and that's uh, Realist George. He's a a Juco guy um, who's going to have probably two years of eligibility. But I've heard only wonderful things about him in the spring so far, not only the spring game, but just all spring practices. He's been a menace. So... Um, just based on what we already know about both of these groups, um, are you more uh, optimistic about the defensive line or are you concerned at all about the offensive line or is it just a kind of an even mix of both of those or no concern at all for the offensive line? I don't know that I'd say no concern for the offensive line, but I think in this instance, I think I'm just more impressed by how the defensive line played. Um, you know, a lot of the offensive line guys are returning from last year. I actually wrote down who the five starters were, at least on the first team when I was watching. It looked like Javon Foster was in there at tackle, and then Xavier Delgado, and then, of course, Michael Mayetti. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and then Luke Griffin was kind of the surprise there, and then Hyron White was the other tackle, and Hyron White uh, missed all of last season to a shoulder surgery, but he's played you know several years at Missouri, so and I think he's a senior this year, but so a lot of familiarity there. But I was also a little bit surprised to not see Case Cook at least when I was taking stock of who was the starting line on the number one offense. Case Cook was not in there, um, and I think Luke Griffin might have been in there in his place. So. I think he did rotate in later. I'm sure but he probably did. They were probably kind of mix and matching guys from the first team to second team mm-hmm. offense a little bit. It is good, though, that we have probably six or seven guys that uh, Coach probably feels really confident about and he's starting or, or playing a lot. Yeah, another place there's looks like some decent depth that Missouri maybe missed a little bit last year is at wide receiver. Oh, yeah. Um, we lose Damon Hazleton, but get Kiki Chisholm back, and then obviously the two biggest additions that Mizzou fans are very excited about is uh, Dominic Lovett and Mookie Cooper. That's his name? Yeah. And so I I was really wanting to see the offense get the ball in their hands, and Mm -hmm. they I think they each had like one catch maybe. It did seem like they were really trying to get the ball to Cooper Mm -hmm. a lot. He had a lot of targets, but they were – kind of like short screen pass type stuff so i'm sure they were going pretty vanilla in this practice but and they were blowing the whistle on first contact a lot of the oh, time yeah. so you never know it was hard to see like is he making that guy miss if it's live yeah well yeah he you're right he probably only had a couple of catches but i i felt like sometimes you just never know when a guy transfers like even if he's a, a top recruit you just never know um how they're gonna you know fit in with the offense or whatever they're doing whatever position they are but uh, I think right away you could tell Mookie Cooper is a huge focus of the offense, and they're going to try to get the, get him the ball in pretty much every way possible. Yeah, I thought it was interesting on the YouTube video I was watching. Uh, there were some Ohio State fans in the comments. Oh, really? So there. So this tells you how little they saw of Mookie Cooper last year, or you know, at all with Ohio State. Was these are big enough Ohio State fans to go to a video of the Mizzou spring game to look for Mookie Cooper and then comment about it. They're that big of fans, and they didn't even see him play or see like him practice or anything at Ohio State because they, a couple of them were saying like, "Oh, he's smaller than I thought." So like, they were literally just coming to this video to see Mookie Cooper in action. Oh wow! So he was in action. Yeah, um, I think we will actually have some Ohio State fans rooting for Missouri this year and tuning in just to kind of see what he does because um, that type of player historically has thrived at a place like ohio state yeah well we're, we're yet to see how he really does in the season it's obviously very early but expectations are high and uh i mean this may just be a perfect example though of like why if you're a top recruit in the area why wouldn't you just stay home and why you, know, you have a chance to be uh a feature in the missouri's offense what they're trying to do or missouri's team in general yeah uh, he's still super young, but you got to think that every opportunity is going to be there for right. him to I mean, capitalize. Of course, there's been the opposite happen where, you know, Ronnie Perkins or yeah. or uh, Ezekiel Elliott or something sure. like that, where they go to the big school and they're everything they ever dreamed of. So yeah. it happens both ways. But Oh, yeah, you absolutely can do it elsewhere. Yeah. But might as well. It's also nice, Joe, just to see a guy uh, who, you know, wasn't cracking the rotation at a big school like that come home and immediately make an impact and i think that's what we'll see um we got to see dominic lovett actually play with his former teammate um tyler macon so uh, macon and brady cook were kind of 
second team, third team. I don't know if you can really differentiate between the who was on second team offense and who was on third team. But yeah, it looked like Brady Cook, Cook was was second team, if you want to call it that. But who knows what it's going to be in the fall. But uh, Lovett looks like a college-ready receiver, and that's pretty rare, I think, for an incoming freshman, um, especially in SEC football. Now, I'm not saying that he's going to, you know, go crazy and be, you know, one of the top receivers even on this team this year, but he just physically looks like he's ready to compete at this level day one. I agree. So that's super exciting. And um, then there's names. There's more names in the wide receiver group, like uh, Michael Wilson and uh, Boo Smith. And, you know, there's just a handful of players here that could rotate into those last few wide receiver spots that will actually see meaningful playing time. So yeah, if somebody, I, I mean, we kind of saw it last year, if somebody was struggling, they would just get another body in there yep. to see what they could do. And of course it seems like, um, Towski dove is going to be right there yeah. um, at the top of the list with Chisholm. I think that's exciting. I, I agree. Honestly, if I'm buying stock in anybody, it's probably Kiki Chisholm. Uh, I just think he's going to have a massive year. I, I think he's so talented and he just has like a prototypical like NFL body. Like he's basically, mm-hmm. he's old enough to be an NFL receiver. I think he's good enough. He's basically an NFL receiver on Mizzou's team this year. He's like six, six, uber talented, just great hands. He's so well-rounded. Uh, I just think he's going to explode this year. And he had a really solid into the season last year. Yep. And that's pretty high praise, but I really feel that confident that um, injury is the only thing that could stop him this season. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought the quarterback play in the scrimmage was a little suspect, honestly. Um, even Bazelak. I, I did think it was interesting that uh, I can't remember how exactly this came up, but the broadcast was talking about they had talked to Eli Drinkwitz and they asked if um, the running back room was now Tyler Beatty's room as it had been Larry Roundtree's room last year. And they got the impression that wasn't the case. The only um, position group that had a clear-cut leader, that it was his room, is Connor Bazelak with the quarterback room. So that was an an interesting little tidbit that I was honestly, I was kind of happy to hear that he hasn't done anything to put any question marks in his status as the day one starter. That That was pretty candid comment. Yeah. Yeah, and as a viewer, we were getting it third-hand from mm-hmm. the broadcast who right. had spoken to Drinkwitz, and they weren't even really trying to make the point that we got from it. Right. They were speaking more towards the, the running, running back situation. But Which, I was like, yeah, that's still, a, that's still a thing too. But, uh, yeah, so it sounds like Connor Bazelak is absolutely the guy, which we pretty much knew that, but yeah. still good to hear that he's got all the confidence from Coach. But, yeah, and, and the running back's comment. Uh, it sounds like we really are going to probably see two or three guys regularly, mm-hmm. and I mean it makes sense. I, I'm not sure. I mean, it's been well known. I love Tyler Beatty yeah. on this podcast, uh, but I'm not sure he's he's definitely not a Larry Roundtree like give him 20 carries a game um, probably. And you know I think we'll we'll really enjoy seeing Elijah Young out there quite a bit too. So uh, and there's there's more names behind them too. I think that we could see and. Um Mookie Cooper will definitely line up in the backfield from time to time. And so and I think Young and Beatty both can play like this sort of hybrid. I don't know. I just think you can get so creative 
with those three guys in particular, Young, Beatty, and Cooper, where on you could have all of them on the field on the, at the same time, mm-hmm. moving them around different ways, and you know either one of those running backs can go out of the backfield into the slot. Uh, Cooper can come out of the, you know, off the line of scrimmage into the backfield, and you can run fakes to any of them. I don't know. I think there's just so many possibilities there with those three guys. They're versatile enough and they can all catch the ball and they can all, they're all fast and strong. So I'm excited to see what Drinkwitz cooks up for those guys. Yeah. I feel like Mookie Cooper is almost kind of like a Curtis Samuel, like how the Panthers were using him last year. Just like, I wouldn't be surprised if they just handed him off the ball. Curtis Samuel went to Ohio state and that's how Ohio state was pitching Cooper's role to him in recruiting was look at what we did with Curtis Samuel. Really? Yes. That's kind of fascinating, actually. But, I mean, they really do kind of appear to be the same type of player. And I, they're kind of the Swiss Army knife, if mm-hmm. you will. And I, I think that that's exactly how Missouri's going to try to use him. I mean, why wouldn't you? He's probably the most – easily the most talented guy on the offense, I'm sure, as far yeah. as an athleticism standpoint goes. Uh, jumping back to the quarterbacks here, uh, it seems like – you see this a lot in these type of scrimmages where the quarterback can't get tackled or even touched. Um, they'll just, like – break out of the pocket and run for a first down <laughs> air quotes i think that's fraudulent huh yeah i, I mean I, I feel like in those situations it should almost be a thing like you're not allowed to try to escape you the pocket like you, advance yeah, the ball you can't run with the ball because it's that's fair. not really what we're doing here and there was just seemed like in this scrimmage there were too many times where and i think it was more um tyler Macon and brady cook than Bazelak, but those two in particular were kind of getting happy feet from time to time and getting bailed out by the run yeah and just kind of escaping the pocket yeah and scampering for a few yards where i'm like that's that's not the point of this exercise i feel like um so and and that doesn't really show the fans much as far as like quarterback ability if you're just kind of letting the play break down a little bit uh bays like did that less um i almost wish they would have started with the more open field scrimmage and then gone to the red zone um drills because it seemed like Bazelak finally got into a rhythm when they kind of opened the field up a little bit more and then I would have liked to see what he could do from that going into the red zone stuff Mm -hmm. because every offense all three offenses just looked very bogged down and not really able to do anything when they started out the uh red zone exercises I agree um I saw some interesting uh, concepts that I liked on offense. Um, we saw last year some of Bayslack running the read option. Um, I think I can only hope that that's a prominent part of the offense, honestly. And I would like to see even just like a speed option pitch play um, or even like a triple option style thing where you have a guy coming um, like option or like motioning into the backfield from the wide receiver spot well you know he ran the wishbone in high school right i heard that i've heard that before so you think somewhere i've heard that you think he's a natural at making those reads and stuff so it felt like they were trying to do that with sean robinson early on in the season and then they were like oh yeah connor basilak can do this too but i remember like one of the first like the first play of the season against alabama was like a triple option that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. wasn't that didn't end well i think yeah but yeah, I absolutely think that's going to be a staple. Just any movement, I think Coach Drinkwitz is all over. Any pre-snap movement, you're going to see. You're going to see him get really creative with that. I think. 
Uh, I have an award to give out to a Mizzou player, and it's the Dawson Downing Award. <laughs> Do you know who's going to get the Dawson Downing Award this time? Yeah, Michael Cox. That's correct. He gets the Dawson Downing Award for just like showing up to a scrimmage when nobody knows who you are and being a depth running back and just destroying everyone. Oh, yeah, 100%. I was like, I got to look this dude up. Who, yeah. who is this? Because <laughs> I didn't know who he was before the spring game. Well, I'll never make that mistake again right. because – Michael Cox is he's a walk-on but he's gonna see the field and I don't know if it'll be this year but he's gonna make a difference at some point because this dude's really talented and I even went so far as to like write down all his high school stats and to share because I was that blown away by this guy I'm all about it but Michael Cox is probably the fourth or fifth string running back right now like I said he's a walk-on but he's a freshman and he was number 35 if you watched the spring game but he's six foot 220 and as a senior in Atlanta Georgia (laughs) He ran for 32 touchdowns, almost 2,000 yards. He averaged eight and a half yards a carry and had zero fumbles and nearly like 500 carries between his freshman and senior, wow. I mean, uh, junior and senior season. So the dude's a stud. I'm honestly a little surprised that he didn't get recruited more and how, how he's a walk-on. Um, but he was just a bowling ball yeah. in this like scrimmage. One play in particular where he just like lowered his shoulder and just ran over a guy. Yeah, and he, then again, he's probably just going against the third string defense or something, but... I was really impressed by him. Like all jokes aside, he was he was really impressive. Anybody else you wrote down there that you wanted to talk about? Um, yeah, I wrote down a few names. Um, and we talked about the D line. I, I Darius Robinson was was running with the with the ones on the defensive line. I was a little bit I was pleasantly su- surprised to see Darius Robinson. Um, he was playing on the interior, and uh, it looked like the other starters on the line were Chris Turner. Uh, Realist George and Isaiah McGuire and I think Isaiah McGuire is always a guy I've been excited about I think he could have a really big season this year he got his name called a couple times making plays yeah Uh, and he he plays on the outside typically but I think he's a guy that could he could very easily switch the interior if they needed to do that Um, another guy on the defense that I saw running with the ones quite a bit in certain packages was Chris Sheeran and uh, he opted out last season. He didn't even play. I think he might have been the only guy who actually returned uh, from the opt-outs. Like everybody else that opted out last year transferred this year or whatever. So uh, Chris Sheeran was obviously welcomed back with open arms. He, I think, is probably going to have a good chance to start in the secondary uh, this year. Um, There's, of course, some players that will be incoming freshmen that um, weren't there for this game um so like Travion Ford um that's obviously a big name to watch out for because he's going to make himself known at some point obviously in his Mizzou career um but again of that defensive end position is not typically one that freshmen are contributing heavily um I I kind of forgot about Jeff Coat he didn't play in this game was he injured I don't know. They mentioned him um, just like because of his good season last year, but uh, I don't. I didn't hear them say why he wasn't participating. I, I, th- I do think it is kind of a good thing, I guess, in a way that I think he'll probably start instead of Chris Turner, and just it just seems like you know some of the seniors that came back, none of them are like huge difference makers. You know, Chris Turner, Akil Byers, Markel Utzi at the time. Yeah. Uh, but it kind of is maybe a a nod to the, some of the younger guys with the higher higher ceilings who are kind of growing into their themselves. They've been in the part of the program for a couple of years, but now they're finally getting to that point where they're 
really being heavily relied upon and they're kind of taking the jobs from the guys who have been here for a really long time so i think that's that's a good thing for isaiah mcguire and jeff code and uh, some of those guys um it'll be really interesting to see kind of how the defensive secondary fills out because having to replace two like nfl caliber safeties that's going to be super difficult and we know like martez manuel for example is a guy that's ready to take the next step i think and be a leader of the defense um but just from a pure like athletic talent standpoint it's going to be difficult to replace the two guys that are leaving um the safety spots um jump back in here with anything that you want to talk about but i i have to mention at the very end of the video so if you're listening to this now go back and watch the uh the just search mizzou spring game on youtube and you'll find this if you haven't watched any of it but at the very end they said that they're going to decide who won between like the black team and the gold team by having the coaches come out and run plays and the broadcast was confused about what was actually going to happen here i was confused until i actually saw it but the coaches came out onto the field and they were going to run like two-point conversions to decide the game and then the video actually unfortunately ends after only one of the coach teams made a play and they actually didn't make a play they like snapped the ball over whoever the quarterback was snapped it over his head and that was it so the defensive coaches were about to attempt a two-point conversion to win the scrimmage (laughs) and then my video (laughs) video cut off so i don't know if you i uh, watched it in real time like a couple weeks ago and i could not tell you what happened because i was like what's happening yeah uh that was kind of goofy seeing the coaches run around and try to like run routes and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I, I actually said this to you before we started recording, but it kind of like puts in perspective like how good the actual players are. Like yeah. you like put a, I mean, these guys were probably players, you know, 10, 15 years ago, and they're probably more athletic than the average whatever forty-five-year-old. Yes, yes, and uh, but still, just seeing them on this field run around comparatively to the actual athletes, you're like, yeah. holy cow, these guys are amazing. <laughs> yeah. Like it just really puts it in perspective. But yeah, that was kind of a funny thing. I I didn't listen listen super closely to the commentary going on, but honestly, I feel like I kind of got to give those guys props because they did their research. Yeah, like, they did. I was they actually gonna, were like, yeah. I mean, they had to just think of something to talk about for like an hour and a half, yeah. maybe longer, two hours. They had to just talk about guys when there was nothing happening, right? Like on the field. So I was I, I was impressed by that. I actually was too. I noted that specifically. I mean, that would be difficult for you and I to do. I feel like would be like yeah. commentate a spring game that's two hours long and it's not an actual game. Oh, uh, we dominate. Well, I mean, sure, we'd be <laughs> fine. But I sometimes you, know, you lose lose a little faith in those like SEC network announcers. True. Sometimes. Yeah. We had a long dark basketball season of right. Damian Fishback, so we kind of lose. <laughs> Have lose these faith. two guys call every Mizzou game this year? It sounds fine with me. Yeah, I agree. They know their stuff. Um. Let's see here. Oh, well, since we're talking about two-point conversions, um, I maybe should have mentioned this up top in the news, but did you see that the college overtime rules are changing? I did. So the, will that be in effect this coming season? I think so. So in years past, um, obviously college overtime, different from the NFL, you start at your opponent's 25-yard line, try to score, and starting on the third overtime, the teams have to attempt a two-point conversion that's how it always had been and now starting next season or this coming season 
you have to start attempting two-point conversions on the second overtime. And if it gets to a third overtime, you just start having two-point conversion contest. Just like the coaches were doing. That's what made me think of it. <laughs> that's interesting. I, I mean, I think it's maybe like a little too early to introduce the like dueling two-point conversions or whatever. Like the but third overtime is it, too early? I don't know. But I I just have to see how it plays out. Because yeah. I could see a scenario of this just being so fun. Like yeah. if it just kind of goes back and forth uh, a few times or something, like that would just be really intense. It, also, it already is pretty intense when it's like the full yeah, drive for sure. you, from the... 25 or 35 i can't remember where they started somewhere around there but yeah i mean and i think that'll honestly you see a lot of overtime games come to an end when they introduce the two-point conversion requirement it'll shorten the so overtime pretty quickly i would be i would say we will not get a ton of those third overtimes and then that little back and forth will only last like two plays Max. You guys will love the games not carrying on because the stats will stay maintained. <laughs> I mean, honestly, how do you how do you keep stats for those? Like, there was like an LSU game a few years ago that like went to like overtimes. seven overtimes. Yeah. So you like almost the, get like the an games entire like, game yes, worth of stats literally. out of the overtimes. Yeah, and they're starting the drives at like the twenty five or yeah. whatever. So yeah, of course, like every quarterback has like nine touchdowns or something. You right. know. So I don't even know how you keep stats for. So you guys will be happy. I know you guys are the record record book truthers yeah i mean i i don't like uh weird stuff messing up the record books that's true nfl going to 17 games hate that boo so here's what i think the nfl should do (laughs) this is how uh, my mind works the nfl needs to go back to all the records and even i think this should be done for players that played fewer games already in the record books like when they had 14 games yes exactly you need to go back to all the players that played less games than fewer games than what they are going to play now. Take their per game averages and just add their per game averages to their totals for their stats and make it right. Give them those extra games. I think that's a little too much imagining outcomes for me, but I can understand. I, I see where you're coming from. Like it statistically makes sense, yeah. but I think it's just a Sometimes. little bit, a little too much. This didn't happen for me, but. Yeah. It is weird that yeah, I, I, I would be willing to go further and like factor in their age and like all this kind of stuff. And okay, you're hired. Yeah. Uh, well, out. I don't want to actually do it. Congratulations. <laughs> so I'm just an idea out. guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll have to get some mathematicians up in here and get the uh, administrative assistants in here. Yeah. Um, wh- what were you going to say about, were you going to say th- uh, something about 17 games? I just don't like it. It's just weird to me. You don't play the same number of home and away games and teams like half the teams will play more home games than the other. Well, or is every team going to go play in London or something? Oh, please no. Maybe I think that yeah, that has every something team. To do with yeah. It. Oh wow, maybe. Uh, Don't quote me on that. Did you but. see? Uh, I think it was Alvin Kamara. Like was incredibly like against it publicly on Twitter. Which well, I imagine super- probably most of the players are. Yeah. I mean, they, yeah, based on like how players reacted to it, I don't know how the players, maybe the players I'm, association doesn't have any control over the it, players association voted on it. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So somebody, hmm. I don't know. Maybe Tom, Tom Brady, maybe they, I feel like lately a lot of the votes have been like, or a lot of the agreements have been like, okay, we want to do this thing that makes the owners more money. Um, you don't have to practice as much. 
Oh, and yeah. the players' association was like, "Oh yeah, sure." Well, and the they players don't... are like, "Well, that's not the best." Mm-hmm. Well, there's only going to be three preseason games. Uh, so, I've always been in favor of that. Two or yeah. three games is uh, that's as much as we need. Yeah, right mm-hmm. there. Yeah, which, yeah, I'm cool with that, but still don't want 17. Yeah, on these uh, on the college overtime, I want to see. So we get to the third overtime. It's a two-point conversion contest. I want to see one offense and defense on one end of the field, mm-hmm. the other offense and defense on the other side of the field, so that like, as soon as this plays over, refs jog down to the other side of the field. <laughs> we're running the next play. The players have to sprint down and immediately hike the ball just to like that's uh, a test of endurance. No, no, no. They're just they're <laughs> just sitting there waiting. So like the Mizzou defense is playing defense on this two-point conversion. Okay. The Mizzou offense is already oh, on the other okay, side of the field, okay, okay. ready to go. Just, okay, I totally misunderstood your, yeah. your point then. Okay, that, so I like that. So Mizzou defense gets the stop. Like, imagine you're in the stands. Like, Mizzou defense gets the stop, and then, like, 30 seconds later, the offense is running their play to, like, <laughs> okay. try to win the game. I am all for that. They're going to have to get, like, carts to, like, shuttle the refs back and forth so they can get there faster <laughs> they have like those big old like uh like lateral escalators like in airports <laughs> they're like flying down the field i just feel like it would be a little bit anticlimactic like you're doing one play at a time mm. so we're going to run one play and then we have to get the teams have to switch out yeah to i run one play that's why i say i think it's a i think it's like one overtime too early because the game's going to get decided on something that isn't really the game like i guess two point conversion is point of the game is part of the game but it's just a play i, I mean guess. Just, yeah. i don't know it'll be interesting it just feels a little too special yeah specialized the i don't know what i'm saying college football overtime is so weird anyway mm-hmm. just, i don't i prefer the nfl overtime just in general what no that's, that's a, a hot take, take. <laughs> Uh, I I would prefer the NFLs if they didn't do the sudden death thing or whatever. Like, well, they fixed that a little bit. Yeah, uh, they the, did improve it, but yeah. it's still not a, where it should be, in my opinion. I've always thought the NFL overtime should just be play another quarter. Yeah, mm-hmm. just add on fifteen minutes and yeah. see who's winning at the end. Yeah, do it again until somebody wins. But as a record book truther, I'm a little surprised you said that. Well, if they would do everything right the first time, <laughs> they wouldn't have to change any of the record books. No asterisk would be needed. Speaking of asterisks, man, this COVID season. Oh, yeah. Oh, and don't even get me started. Yeah. We're going to be dealing with this till all the players that existed in college athletics this past season are years. done with college athletics. Yes. We're going to be dealing with the extra COVID year for like three or four or more years. Yeah. yeah. That's one way to put it. And oh, all, all the coaches, I got to figure out what to do with all their scholarship situations. Like, But I don't think uh, I could be completely wrong here, but... <laughs> I don't think the scholarship counts against you if the player stays at the same program. I'm not sure about that. Well, we'll I, I'm see. not either. <laughs> I I don't know, but we'll find that we'll find out at some point whenever uh, it's going to come up. Yeah. All right. Any other random a- stuff? Any other ra- <laughs> rumblings and ramblings? Uh, okay, that's all I got for the folks. That's all I got. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or on Spotify. Or on Twitter and Instagram at Missouri Sports Pod, and you can email us at Missouri Sports Pod at gmail.com. You can find our t shirts and stickers on our online shop, Missouri Sports Pod.bigcartel.com, or you go find that Patreon and you can get a t shirt if you sign up for the right, I don't know which one it is, but sign so up for, sign the, up for right the right level, tier. Yeah. You can get a t shirt. So. Mm, absolutely. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We will see you next week.